Hey everybody, and welcome to another amazing episode of Finding Peaks. Your host, truly, Chris Burns, president and founder, better known as our recovery cheerleader here on campus and afar. I'm joined by our alumni coordinator and one of my good friends, Matthew Marshan. Great to have you on the show today, bud. Thanks. Absolutely. The last time we had Matt on, I want to say it was probably over a year ago. Around that, yeah. Around a year ago, we had Jason Friesma on, and it was an amazing show. It's just he and I today. We want to talk about something really, really important, not only for the viewers, but folks that um, are encouraged and make the great decision to check into an inpatient program. Um, we're going to talk a lot about aftercare and transitioning and alumni and kind of the, some of the specificities behind how we do what we do and why we think it matters so much. Uh, but first, I want to check in with Matt in regards to, you know, his old role here at Peaks Recovery Centers was a pure recovery coach. He is still one of our pure recovery coaches, but she's transitioned um, into the alumni coordination role, which really, we were talking before the show, encompasses a wide variety of things. And so I just want to touch on Matt's new role a little bit, kind of what he's working on here at Peaks Recovery. And then we'll get into the conversation in and around how we're walking people through not that just the inpatient process, but the outpatient process and specifically integration into community. So take it away, Matt. So um, I think that like starting off in the pure delivery coach role at our IOP or just in general aftercare um, really set me up for what the alumni program could look like because we're kind of starting from scratch and which I'm very grateful to be able to do that and not have, walk into a, a rigid outlined um, program for a class that, that transitioned back into the community after our IOP. Only throughout that too. Uh, so we get to make it as we go. Um, and that is unique because of the uniqueness of our program as an entirety. You know, it would be easy to uh, say, okay, we're going to hold an AA meeting every two thing. And we're going to show up and do a barbecue every three months. And that's what it's going to look like. And we are so far from that in what's being developed. Uh, you know, one thing about Peaks is we always pay attention to what the clients need. Not what like 50 years of like so-so is going to say, but like what the evolving client is run. And so we're, we're doing that also in the alumni program as well. Uh, just kind of getting outside of the, the easy box and, and, you know, interacting with what they're going through today. Yeah. I love that, man. And it's such a breath of fresh air to sit here and talk with Matt before the show, because, you know, for the first 10 years of my career, you know, outcomes with a lot of these modalities and specifically some of these older, um, resource, uh, resources within the community, you know, the outcomes are abysmal. We're talking 10 to 12%. And so I love the progressiveness of which we approach mental health care because it needs to shift. It needs to change. We need to have a fresh perspective on the way we're looking at this because we're losing the people we love for at alarming rates. What have you seen? We were talking a little bit before the show. You shared with me a couple stories, but specifically around how we walk people through even the inpatient setting with respect to willingness, because this is a word that's been thrown around since 1935. They say you have to be honest, you have to be open-minded and you have to be willing. But what we understand from a research-based perspective today is that those three underpinnings are informed in a variety of ways through community support, connection with family, community, and culture, counterbalancing with peers. But what have you been able to see and witness or bear witness to and be a part of throughout the inpatient process that really gets people in alignment 
with the best decision for their for themselves. So I so being alone myself and going through the peace program, like when I died, my first couple of days in, like I wasn't really willing. <laughs> I wasn't really honest. And but like I needed time and I needed individual attention to get there. Because it was achievable. And I did get there. It just didn't take me the same amount of time that it took Johnny and more beer. Or, you know, um, and I think that's what Pete does really well is that on an individual basis, each one of our staff meet the client where they're at. And, um, you know, we, we encourage the client to get to their destination and uh, on a journey that they're comfortable with. We're not going and pushing a client being like, hey, you know, it's Wednesday, you should be honest by now. You know, um, if it takes till Friday, if it takes till Sunday, like we're still showing up and we're still just guiding them and giving them suggestions that we've already walked through. Oh, uh, he ain't all willing to walk through alongside them. Yeah. Uh, and we do that and from our detox episodes all the way to our aftercare and even beyond. You know, we were just talking about um, some clients that, like, we hadn't seen anyone. Yeah. And that are successfully living their lives and whatever success means for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and it doesn't look the same across the board. And, you know, um, some are doing a, you know, a program. Some have, we developed their own program. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going into, they have their therapist that they've been seeing for over a year and a half. And they have a job and they have a, an apartment. Um, and that is success, you yeah. know, uh, along the way, like were the hiccups possibly sure. probably, and maybe you know, like hopeful. Yeah. Because we learned from that. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, that's what, I mean, just what our program does really well and what we're trying to really harness in our active kicker, the IOB, especially and the, the alumni purpose, right. the, the continuation of of dreams. And I love that too. I love that because I think for a lot of years, and I think I've mentioned this before, but specifically young people have come into recovery where they believe dreams go to die. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, as you were speaking, and I know I shared this in group the other day, but we're, we're integrating uh, TJ Woodward's conscious recovery into our curriculum right now. And he goes on to tell this story um, about President Eisenhower. And I'm going to butcher the story. No big deal. We'll get the point. Um, but there was a, a lion that um, India, um, it was the somebody high up in the Indian government or something uh, gave this lion to President Eisenhower. It was a beautiful bang, it was tiger. Yeah. Bengal tiger? Possible lion, Bengal lion? Yeah. Beautiful lion. They didn't have a picture. <laughs> um, but basically they couldn't wait for this lion to come over. They got this lion over here and it was in a 12 by 12 enclosure. And when they got over here, it was supposed to be opened up to this huge zoo or would have this huge park for itself. But something happened, something went awry where the, the lion couldn't get into its new enclosure for over a year. And so that lion for a year circled that 12 by 12 perimeter in figure eights. And then after a year or a year and a half, they get the lion to this new um, enclosure and it's huge and it's fast and they let the lion out. And the lion runs way up in the corner of the enclosure and he does figure eights for the rest of his life until he passes away. And when you're talking about aftercare, I wonder if that's what young people and mature adults and people of all ages who have been trying the same thing over and over and just hasn't been working. If they come in and we stick another cage over them, it's no wonder why the outcomes are so abysmal. And it feels like 
they're literally doing figure eights in the same cage that they felt like they were put in in their adolescence or adulthood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's so uh, unfortunate. Because, like, that's a, a, a great story to go along with the, like, the reality of how sometimes recovery um, has been made to look. Yeah. You know, uh, okay, you got the cage off of you. Mm -hmm. You were just something in the way. You know, the depression is kind of simmered down a little bit, and but the expansion, I just feel, has sometimes been lacking. Yeah. Oh, uh, and so like with like an IOP and and aftercare, like this is time for like implementation of what we learned in our residential, but also expansion. Yeah. Also like. Okay, let's talk about those dreams and let's hey, let's make it a roadmap on how we're going to get there. You know, because really we don't need to be confined. The 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 cage is lifted. And the twelve by twelve is, is just there in our minds. How do we extend outside of that and like actually get to where we want to go? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It doesn't have to look like general arcade or think. Yeah. You know? It just look like the individual that's sitting in front of us. One hundred percent. And that's yeah. uh inspiring porn yeah because like what, what works for johnny doesn't work for peter yeah and, but we're getting to the same place and that's cool yeah you shared a story before this but i think it's good for the viewers to hear this and maybe parents of addicted loved ones or family members is like we will you know part of seeing somebody and valuing them and hearing them is actually doing just that mm -hmm. and so when somebody comes into our program and in the first couple of weeks we say to a young adult Hey, you know, you ought to check out this sober living and this IOP. And they say something back like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, I'm going to do the apartment thing. For us to continue to push into that, at least in my experience over 15 years of doing that, it's to re-encapsulate the individual. Mm -hmm. um, but if we could just give them grace and space, meet them where they're at, hold space, see value and hear that, eventually the environment allows them, enables them to make a decision for themselves, which is powerful. Right. And guides them back into a way that like they are behind in their decision. Because a lot of times what, what humans do and a lot of the pies, like we react to beers, huh? you know? And so when I go, when a client is like, Hey, like I think I'm just going to get an apartment. And I go, you know what? That idea is not good. Right. That's my fear. Mm -hmm. And that's me exemplifying fake is simplify my fear on the client. Yeah. Oh, and not meeting the client worth wrath. So if I can get on board and be like, okay, let's, let's find a way to make that safe. Mm -hmm. And then we keep going. Then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? That, that's a religion sounds great for like 30 to 60 days. Yep. It's like, cool, because that's the way it's designed to be. Like, let's go, let's get stable. Yeah. Let's like, uh, job such. Mm -hmm. Let's get integrated back into the community with a support system that you can go home to at night. Because by going from a residential back into the community, there's going to be things that come up, whether a guy cuts you off going down the street or you have a bad phone call with a significant other or a Oh, uh, and going home to a solo target might not be the best thing. Right. But you know what? Even for three weeks, going back to a uh, community, sober living, yeah. being able to be like, hey guys, I had a rough day today, work through that, coming to our IOP, continue to build um, community and gain support. In three weeks, when you're ready for that apartment, we're going to help you search for it, just like we were when you were in residence. Yeah. In fact, we're going to we're going to make that happen, and we're going to do it this way. This way. Man, I love that. It's it's such a huge shift from what we've seen for so many years because it actually says to the conscious recovery book book and the curriculum is that 
you have what it takes living inside of you to make these clear, conscious, um, and intentional decisions, which is something that is, I mean, for some viewers out there, probably like, no, they don't, you know, because it's so foreign because we go into Alcoholics Anonymous. And again, I got my certain alcohol on, but it's like, I'm an addict. There's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And actually we like to highlight at Pink's that there's nothing wrong with you. Right. Something happened. Mm -hmm. And we can get back to that whole center of what we consider to be wholeness and fullness. Right. And allowing people to get to that point on their own, then to your point, it can be something that doesn't feel so arduously one day at a time. It can be my process. Yeah. And you know? I mean, sober living isn't for everyone. Sure. You know, we need to acknowledge, you know, and so like there is this beautiful uh, balancing that can happen because when we, when we come into a treatment center, a lot of times we're like, Back in the day, where it was like, yep. shut up and listen. Yep. And shut up and listen to me, that's hitting on my trauma and that makes me shut down. Yeah. You know, instead of uh, focusing on that and having the staff sit down to listen mm -hmm. and, uh, and reason and, and relate, mm -hmm. then we can start building those bonds and then we can start making decisions and building a roadmap on to, to get to where success means for each individual part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's cool today to know that success is looks a variety of different ways. You know, I'm sitting with people in group today, you know, at Peaks, we're, in my opinion, one of the greatest mental health providers here in Colorado, but we're just sitting in a group of half the people in there have never coped with a substance. But I always like to highlight to people that it's, it's not about that. It's about everybody copes and everybody copes differently. And it's about finding people or finding coping mechanisms for people that really fit their true, genuine, authentic self. And there's things in your recovery that AA didn't teach you that you came up with on your own that fits you like a glove. And I think it's really important and efficacious to at least allow people, as we said on the front end, to see themselves inside their recovery, mm -hmm. to really be within that, not see themselves in mine or see themselves in yours. And that's a lot of what it is too, I think for a lot of years, it's like, we have a lot of the fear from 1935 and we're bringing that fear into 2023. And not to say that like some of that doesn't marry a bit, mm -hmm. but it's, we have far more resources and our ability to walk people into community-based opportunities is far more than we did in 1935. And I think leaving that fear at the door so the client doesn't pick it up and continue to stay in that is so important. So important. 1935, they did have something to write to. Yeah. More than one or getting the community together yeah. and doing something. And I get behind that 100% all day. Oh. And you know, that is something, that, and it can look different though. It doesn't have to look like a, a meet, your five o'clock meeting or your new news. Mm -hmm. It can look like a couple of guys getting together for both. Mm -hmm. It can look like a couple of guys going to the range. Yeah. Um, and something that we were just talking a minute ago, they spoke to me, um, and I love when you use this, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, so you're talking about like believing in ourselves and like what comes for me is Ted Lasset. Mm -hmm. I've been watching this, that show, and it's amazing, but on top of the office door it says, believe. And it's just made out of court. And that's what it's about. You know, like whether your mental health primary, substance, dual diagnosis, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's all about bully. It's all about mind, body, soul. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all it's all the same journey. It truly is. It's it's about uh believing and how do we make our dreams hip truth? Because we all got it. They might just look it. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and we've been, the world's weird, man. And it's hard. Yeah. And we've been beat up. And, you know, 
I, I looked at my childhood and I had a, a pretty good childhood. Mm-hmm. And it's still hard. <laughs> I thought that still remember being hard. It can be both. Yeah. And like, and it just, it's been not taught that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, have a good life and like it's supposed to be good. And it's just, it's, it can be hard too still. And so that's what we really like walking through plants, like them understanding that, like, this is hard. But you don't have to do it all. Yeah. And you're not going to do it. Yeah. And actually, we're gonna have, we're gonna try to make this one. Exactly. But yeah, I love the fun part too. Is it keeps people around. For sure. You know, and it's it's one of those things I think for a lot of times, especially when I got into 22 years old, I was like, this is a life sentence of mediocrity and no fun, zero fun. And it's just like wah 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 wah. Yeah, <laughs> zero. <laughs> and I love that too because your point is very clear. I mean, most of the families that come to Peaks are great families. Great, phenomenal families. It was one of the biggest lives I've ever pulled. Right. <laughs> because needs, and this isn't a shout, this is just a generational thing, is that needs don't get met in great families. And they're still great families. Still great here. But the book continues to evolve, and I think it's worth a read in 2023. And I love the fact that you and your alumni team, the outpatient team, the inpatient team, the admissions team, all points in between, are really willing to read the new book. Ciao. Yeah, and like you said, to have fun. It was one of the biggest things that I told myself. Yeah. It was like, walking into this is, what is this going to be? Yeah. A lot of stuff that I don't want to do, and it's been the exact opposite. Yeah. With people that I never thought I got to do, like actually having friends. Yeah. Um, not acquaintances, but people that I can rely on and they can rely on me. And we have a great time doing it. Yeah. You know, I'll... I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There was some fun times there while using church substances. They've been great. Um, they're also in really dark times. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is sustainable. Good times. Because before it wasn't. You know. Oh, uh, you know, we were talking before of like what does the alumni like? What do we try to provide into enjoyment and having this new life? So, the way I kind of view it is when we go to residential, it's, a, it's learned and it, we're, we're learning some things. We're starting to like, you know, my big thing when I was coming through was like, well, we're biologists. I had never had that. No. Or like, and then you like towards the end of, of residential, you start trying them out a little bit, you know, a little bit, but the IOP is like implementation there yeah. of like, we're going to do this. We're going to try it. It might not work, but guess what? If it does it as somebody bounce that off. Yep. And so our IOP is implementation. Like we're taking these tools, we're working on them. We're having them a safe place to process yeah. the outcomes. And like, we're trying this out and like trying, trying to go precise. And then, and then they, they go through our, our almost three month IOP. They start, they're, they're ready for the, they're ready to like get going. Yeah. And so when they come into our alum, they aren't, they aren't dropped off whatsoever. You know, like we, we constantly reach out to them. Um, we provide uh, events that are unique. Uh, one of the one of the events that I really enjoy is we go to this really cool bookstore huh. for our monthly meeting, and it's not a meeting; it's a check-in, hangout. We did a puzzle the other day, you know, cool. Uh, and then we go out into the community, and so next Tuesday we're gonna go play bocce ball and eat and cheese at a park across the street from that that bookstore. Yeah. You know, and it's it gets us, it, it gets the people going and, and excited about what we're doing. Because, yeah, it's, like you said, life is hard and we, we 
go back into this and we still have jobs and we still have families and we still have all the other things and sometimes we forget about ourselves. Yeah. And especially in the MLMs. Mm-hmm. And so peace isn't going to forget about you and you shouldn't forget about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. It, absolutely. In my, my opinion, just a breath of fresh air as far as approaches go. Okay. Um, something I was thinking about when you were talking, um, I don't know if you were in my group, you were in my group last week. Sure. Yeah. And I think there was a young man in there and his family, you know, because the, the energy behind the field that we're in is very driven from an archaic view in 1935. It's very driven. It's driven by a million forms of fear, discouragement. And, and one of the things that they do in those processes, these programs do, I think there's what, 13,000 treatment providers? Something like that, 12,500. And I would imagine uh, 12,950 of them are 12-step based. And so in a lot, of these, a lot of these cultures, and again, there's nothing ultimately wrong with that. It's still good. But a lot of in these cultures, what happens is, is we come in and we brainwash the families to believe this is a non-negotiable abstinence-based perspective and anything veering off the past is unacceptable and lacks success. Mm-hmm. And so then we have these young individuals sitting in front of us that have been to these long-term programs that are very punitive, top-down view, behavior modification. Yes, behavior modification. And I'm sitting with the young man trying to teach him about his compassion and he can't hear it. Who? Have you ran into a lot of that when you're trying to integrate people into this, you know, again, and sometimes 12 steps fits, um, but you're trying to get them a fresh lens to see through. And some of the folks that have been through kind of the rigmarole of treatment and specifically their families have, in my opinion, been traumatized in a direction to not be able to have any clarity into the process. So when, yes, it comes from... And I want like kind of separate this a little bit because we you hit on two things. There's the client and there's the fan. And there's gonna be two different approaches and you're right. Like so when you were just talking, I'm thinking, you know, as a as a people, as a society, we're always changing, always evolving. The drug scene has evolved. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. drugs from back in twenty years ago when I was done, like were way different than they are today. And they're about why are we still approaching this with something that is 50 years old when like everything else is changing and evolving, but we're continuing to, to do this. Like we should also do that. And so when I get, and when I get with a client that's been to six, eight treatment centers and, um, and it might've been that way, you know, the archaic way, or they might've had like, a little dabble of this type and a little kind of this type and like then they walk into ours and it, it might be a little uncomfortable for them right. because all of a sudden you know there's staff members that are out like hey how do you do it today and I like hey how are you doing today like right actually interested like yo bro how's it going yeah um and from day one from nrt talks when you were surrounded and wrapped around with with love and intention and like connection it's weird. And then it could be a lot. It can. Yeah. And like people can be like, whoa, Addison, what are you talking about? Like, give me the big book and when does, you know, step past. Yeah. Um, and to explain to them that like, that's it. But your, your individual session starts in like two hours. Yeah. And then after that, like, I'm going to come to ho- coffee talk with you. Yeah. And we're going to process like any kind of a feelings or emotions that come up to in your individual. And then tonight we're going to go and we're going to eat together as, as a group, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, and that's just in our kind of residential. And then as, as you keep going, clients 
and you hear it time and time again, like, well, first it's weird, and then it's great, yep. and then they're like all bought in, and here are clients that are sick, have jobs in different states, and they're like, you know what, I'm coming. Yeah. Doing sober living, just for a little bit, and the job, like I hope they transfer me. Right. And if not, like yeah. I'm okay within myself, and I, I I'm coming into alignment that I I know that I can make something happen. Yeah. You know, because of choosing them first, mm-hmm. and that's the important part. And that's so yeah. W- when when the spring of the archaic modalities of like how do we treat substance and mental health? Like we're far from that. Like because you got to choose you first. Yeah. And then we work. You know, it's not like fit into this box and then all your problems didn't go away. They have to know Do it again because you didn't do something right. right. No. Yeah. <laughs> Doing it right. Yeah. We just gotta like we just gotta help you figure out like how you do it and what you want to Yeah. It's so interesting. I appreciate you saying that. They really well spoken on that. It almost fits like, you know, that model. And again, I found my recovery through Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. Six years. I'm very indebted and grateful for those people. But it really does fit the traumatized individual. Mm-hmm. Um, you show up, you, you, you. You're like, I know, me, me. Especially you know, oh, that I'm here. Well, I'm wanting to be the skateboat. I'm already the scapegoat. I'm ready to go. So you go in and it's like, can't do this, can't. And it's very, very, it fights. It tends to fight shame with shame. That a little bit. And it, I think... For a multitude of reasons, it can exacerbate shame unless you feel really comfortable in that environment. And luckily, um, in my situation was a little bit different. I had I was absent of family support. And so when you're absent of family support, sometimes you can go into these rooms full of strangers, just the same as the rock climbing gym, but in Alcoholics Anonymous, and these people really show you what love and connection is about. And that was really satiating for me. But there's a lot of people that come from a lot of different walks of life where it would be square peg round hole. And I think that continues to exacerbate the trauma for sure and so like when that happens like we had a, a phenotype and then and as she's coming into iop i mean i'm meeting with her and she's like matt like i don't want to go today i was like cool what do you like to do she's like i want to do yoga guess what and then there's a spot yeah and it's gonna be the community that I love about it. Right. But it's going to be the community that you and that's And like, there's people that are same mind goal oriented that you are on yoga. Yeah. And we're going to fight. Mm-hmm. And those are going to be your people. And guess what? That's going to be your pro- recovery program meeting. Yeah. That you're going to do. And we're going to have to, we're going to add some, some therapy to that. Mm-hmm. We're going to add some, um, coming into the IOP and getting, uh, your group therapy, your processing, your hanging out time uh, in. And then we're going to look at whatever else you went. Yeah. And we're going to try to make that happen. We're going to try to make it happen in the safe way. And then, uh, but yeah, so today's model doesn't have to look the 90 and 90. Yeah. What it can look like is rock cotton gym. And then, yeah, well, yeah. The golf focus. Yeah. Uh, Which is really an overarch, the overarching theme on this is safety take i think parents sometimes they might hear well that's scary or well no the overarching theme is safety mm-hmm. we want to get you where you feel safe so people don't feel safe in those environments yeah and i think we need to take note of that in the years and i'm as guilty of this as just any professional you know five years ago being like well, which step did you work which one did you not work 
how did you not hit your knees? What did you not do? Very punitive approach. And I would just watch people lack the ability to settle in my presence, myself included. You know, now we get to walk with people and be like, right on, man. I, I can totally see why you came up with that. And he's like, cool with it. And you just watch them settle. Yeah. 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 You bring up faith and bring it back to a part of my, like my story. You know, um, I remember walking through, uh, there were a time of peace going to the grocery store for the first time and like literally having a breakdown and anxiety and, and now it's one of my safest places. Dude, hopefully it's Saturday morning. Yes, got the sanctuary. Oh, man. the sanctuary. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, like it's not. Like that, that environment might not be safe for that client and that's okay. Like, let's find something for that client. Yeah. It's not calm. Well, that's not going to work. Good luck. Right. Or, you know what? Okay. Um, do this, this, and this, and they'll make up time for that. And like, um, I just, I just, it, I can't agree with, Yeah, you know, everything in me and my experiences. No, it's about safe. Yeah. And it's about ritual. Yeah. And like. There's so much in tied up in, into that, all of it, you know. Uh, when we walk into this, a lot of times we're so beamed up that we don't feel safe within ourselves. And that's where we have to start. Yeah. You know, yeah. building that person up. And then I find it really hard to do that within um, a model from acting through the five steps. Yeah, 100%. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming on the show and articulating a lot of stuff. We have a lot of really cool alumni things coming up. Matt's heading up. We're doing a recovery concert in the middle of August um, with KK Fearless. We're going to be bringing them on the show here in a couple of weeks. So I'll give too much of that away. But what are you most excited about um, as we wrap up the show? What are you most excited about with where you're at in your current position at Peaks and where we're headed, do you think? So like from the very beginning, it was stated like it is almost a blank slate. And Ed, I'm encouraged not to do the easy route. And then um, uh, that's what I think I'm, I'm excited about is to build something that is so unique and so inclusive to our, our alumni as a whole. Uh, yeah, that's it. And it's before we even got on air is being the most exciting part is having these events and seeing it, um, clients would. A year and eight months. Yeah. Coming up about two years. And, but also in the same, sitting right next to them, it's another cell base. Thanks. Yeah. All in a coffee shop. Yeah. You know, planted two days. And then, uh, I, that, that's exciting. I'm also excited, you know, be um, attached to some other nonprofit organizations and be able to bring that into it. Uh, in showing clients, you know, the fun factor that we were like, we were talking about earlier about like, oh man, this is going to be, oh, is real good. Oh man, going to a Rockies game, yep. going to a Nuggets game, um, going to the, the EDM concert this weekend. Yeah, Sunday. Uh, and being able to share that with, with, our, with our alumni and our clients in a safe manner and be like, yo, like, let's go come blitz for a little bit. Yeah. And, Let's drive home because we can. Yeah, I know. We can just drive home. No, that's the liquor I hop and then drive home. Yeah, that's still. And I'll see you the next day in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, that's exciting for me because for when I was walking through this, um, it was the mediocrity that I was scared of. Yeah. Um, 
and it was the structure of 9090 that I didn't want to do. And so with Peaks and what we do and how uh, individual and open that we are and building that, it just, it, it's amazing to watch each client walk through and walk their journey alongside them. Cause I get to do a bunch of different journeys yeah. and like same, same journey sometimes way different approach. Yeah. And like learning just like climbing a mountain to death, you get to see a bunch of viewpoints. Yeah. So it's cool. Yeah. Um, and also, like I said, like, um, building this thing from scratch, um, making it really intentional built towards the client. So one thing that we're looking at doing too is, um, all the clients that come through, um, a fun survey that we do, but it's so inquisitive about what they want and like what they want out of this. Um, and where they're wanting to go, you know, and like, and how do we and make that happen for us, you know, yeah. uh, cause it's not one, it's just one size fits all way. Yeah. And so that's, that, that's what the, yeah, that's really cool, man. It's exciting for me too. Cause we're really in the last few years, just on the precipice of this, you know, just on the edge and we're moving into it. We get the facility, um, the new men's facility will be built 13,000 square foot state of the art facility on the ranch. Uh, which is a really, really unique environment. The only commercial space in Colorado Springs with residential homes in the back and a commercial property up front. That gets done at the end of July. The women's program is expanding by a few beds, more offices. And so just a lot of great things to come as I really feel like we're just scratching the surface of the people we're potentially going to be able to help through this model and this culture. So, And in that, our IOP is growing. Huge. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And our reach and our community footprint is so much bigger today. You know, it's a testament to, you know, the entire Peak team, but specifically the outpatient team and the crew that you guys get to work with, both up in Denver and in Colorado Springs, just an amazing group of people that I get to interface with a couple times a month and yeah, I really, really look forward to it. So thanks again for coming on the show, bud. As always, it's an amazing pleasure just to have your wisdom and insight and really just a progressive way to look at things um, in your recovery. It's always just a breath of fresh air. So thanks for coming on. I love, love, love coming here. Yeah, love, love me too, Matt. All right, so my viewers, please check us out this Sunday, 6 p.m. Um, until next time, you can find us on your podcast, Instagram, TikTok. TikToks are going to be coming out. I've been putting them out a little bit. They're saving them up. <laughs> he's, he's saving them up. But please check us on all of your, uh, your social media devices. Until next time, peace. peace.